Hello, hello. Hello. This is the Film Photography Project Podcast. Yup. I'm here in the studio with Mark Dalzell. Hey. Mark O'Brien. Hi there. Les- oh, hi. <laughs> Leslie Lazenby. Hello. And later on, Matt is going to stop by to tell, tell us about grants. Mm. Not the department store. Ulysses. And not Hugh. <laughs> right. Uh, let's get right into it with mm-hmm. a listener letter. All right. Oh. You anxious to read one? Oh yeah, I haven't read one in a while. You haven't. It's been a month or two. I could read one while you're finding one. Oh, go ahead. Let's okay, see. here's a listener letter. This is Leonard, like Leonard from Big Bang Theory. Okay. AFPP crew. I've been enjoying films since summer, as well as your show. What show? Yesterday, I rolled my first roll of film using a Watson 66B bulk loader. Whoa. Sweet. And 17M meters of FOMA Retropan 320 soft film stock. Ooh. Sadly, there is no information about developing this film in Ilford ID11. I have oh. not been able to find a film stock that develops similar. I compared the given time in the stock of Microfin even with the different ISO rating, but I have failed to find a perfect developing time by trying it out. Do you know a method to calculate or discover the perfect developing time? Keep up the good podcast and Happy New Year from Germany. See, their year turns over at a different time than ours does. Anyway, I answered him back. I said, I don't know how scientific this is, but here's how I do it. I load a camera that I know for me is a reliable camera in metering with that film. Load up about 24 exposures, use a tripod, start at the beginning, and shoot one roll of all the same image at all the same exposure. You get 24 of the same thing. Set it to what they recommend is the box speed, in his case 320. You need an average lit scene on an average day. You want everything just kind of nice and boring. So beginning to end, there are no changes on your exposure. Then take that roll of film in the dark room, and you're going to take it into your dark bag or your dark room, and you're going to cut it into four pieces. They don't absolutely have to be even. Don't worry about cutting through frames. It doesn't matter. That's why we shot so many of them. Protect three of those clip tests. The other one's going to go with your best guess, 68 degrees, fresh chemistry. Keep all of these developing practices similar between this. Once you develop the first one, you're going to start making your first changes if you're pretty far off in minute changes. Too light or too thin, add another minute onto your developing time. If it's too dark and really contrasty, just um, minus or, or take away a minute. Once you get that down, you've still got two more clip tests. You can start dealing with 30-second increments. You may nail it right away and throw the others away. But that, when I have a film, I don't know the time. I go with my best educated, uneducated, Google-searched guess. And that's how I do it. I take a sacrifice one roll of 24, 20, 24 frames and divide them into clip tests. Good good advice. There we go. Now, isn't ID11 and D76 roughly equivalent? Don't know. I'm a Kodak I, that's, girl. That's what I've always that's what I've always read on my all my film charts. They say ID11 or D76. And it could be, you know, this film that he's using, this uh, retro RetroPan 320, is relatively new. Mm-hmm. So maybe even by the time he reads this or hears this, although I've, I answered him back this way, there may be some times on it already. So if someone says. Man, just go to the massive development chart. It's on there. It wasn't when he wrote it. <laughs> so and for there the, we go. the all these FEMA films Absolutely. from FPP, mm-hmm. we have a very limited set of instructions in terms of developing times. Mm-hmm. But the, every time I look, they keep increasing. Oh, for real? Oh yeah. It's so like for, for like let's say the FN sixty four from Shmina. There's a whole bunch of times and developers listed for that one. Um, are, are you referring to you're seeing them on massive developing chart massive that they're saying changing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So keep it, just keep going back, and maybe someone is added to that because you give the app- right. opportunity Good to point. add to the, their knowledge base. For mm-hmm. that. Or if you come up with a formula, you add it. Right. And I, I, I usually make sure that I'm done testing before I add it, before you I send them. I have, I don't know that I ever get any credit, but there's times up there that i've submitted that are the same that's there i don't know how Serena. different it is but i do like just looking right now i see there is id 11 times for foma pan one two and four hundred 
Fomapan, but not Retropan. Oh, I thought you said Fomapan. It's um, oh, Foma Retropan. Yes, oh, yeah, the sure. 320, the okay. soft stuff, low contrast. Thank you, Leslie. Sure. And now a letter. You got another listener letter? Now a listener letter as read by Mark O'Brien. Name, Ken Smith. How to pronounce your name? Repeat three times while looking in a mirror, then wait. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, folks. Just wanted to send a big hello from across the Pacific. He's from Australia. Crikey. (laughs) I recently discovered your podcast. I've been slowly working my way through the 2015 episodes. Okay. Thanks so much for putting together such a wealth of information, especially the camera and book reviews. Yay for the book reviews. It's so hard to find good beginner resources that focus on film. Mm -hmm. I took up photography a couple of years ago and have been learning on a Pentax K2. It's been great for my health as all my beer money now goes towards film and gear. (laughs) Ah. After discovering your podcast, I took the plunge into medium format and bought a Mamiya C330. Oh, okay. I have a whole heap of questions I'd love to ask, but this time around, I'll keep it to two. Good. (laughs) Is there anything I can do to protect my cameras from the salt, air, and spray? I've noticed a little bit of tarnishing on one of my camera bodies. I would love to start taking my C330 on these trips, but I don't want to ruin it. I would say stay away from the salt and spray and go somewhere else. (laughs) Go to the lake. Go to the lake, yeah. (laughs) Australia doesn't have too many lakes. Okay. We can get back to that topic in a moment. Also, I've been shooting with an EV chart as it seems to give more consistent results than my light meter. But how would I figure out uh, with ISOs like 120 and 620? At the moment, I'm rounding them down to 100, but would love to hear your input on this. Keep up the excellent work. Cheers, Ken. Well, I think when you're getting going from 120 to 620, it's such a small amount that film has such great latitude that I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference unless you're one of those people who are really, really persnickety. But you don't know, if you're just using an EV chart, you're not using spot meter or anything like that, I think close enough is close enough. What's your What's your take on that? Mm, what do you think, Leslie? I'm going to go buy a Minolta meter four and start using it and give up on those EVs. Just have them spit that number out at me. There are so many fabulous modern meters. Yeah, I agree. I mean, EV then, is, the, is the combination of f-stop and shutter speed combined. Right. I, I mean, the only time I've used EV is when I'm using an older, ca- much older camera mm-hmm. that has EV. Right. Right, and which I, is pretty unusual. And I have a I mean, Goss and Luna Pro light meter that Pro, so it has yeah. EV. Goss and Luna Pro F. But I never really think about it. Yeah, I don't think about EVs that much. And they, and they talk about, you know, an EV of whatever in, in a range of film sensitivity basically i think if you have a, a decent light meter go with that yeah. and don't mess with the other stuff and the other thing people oftentimes worry about okay i've got iso of 125 but i'm looking at 120 or or else they're saying you know um my shutter speed only goes for one one twentieth of a second but i'm shooting at iso 100 it's a fraction of an iso so don't worry about it you're close enough that's why we have latitude yes and mm-hmm. as far as about the, the going to the ocean, I would say you could always get one of these plastic bags that wrap it around your camera. Uh, get a crappy camera and use that by yeah. the salt. Uh, get a uh, UV filter or a clear glass filter, screw it over your lens. I don't yeah. know for the, the camera he's talking about, the C30. I don't know it's if the... It's a bayonet style. A, I, think, yeah. I think, I'm not sure if it has a thread. It might. And I don't know if you can get a filter that small. But if you're using a 35 millimeter SLR, I would certainly use a filter over yeah. my lens just to protect my original glass. Uh, but then again, mm-hmm. like you just mentioned, Mark, I usually bring a camera I'm not so thrilled about because I just know a day at the beach, you're going to get salt. Right. Or drop it in the sand drop, and you right. don't That's mean to, deadly. but it is deadly. And you know what doesn't corrode? Plastic debonairs. Oh, well, how about that? That's right. Uh-huh. Well, a wind, a sandstorm might corrode them. <laughs> etch it. It'll etch it. <laughs> but Firmly mm-hmm. etched. Let's get into a topic. Ken mentioned Book of the Month. We haven't done a Book of the Month almost all year, so I feel guilty now. And Mark Dalzell brought a book. He brought, yeah, a cool now, book. Set, now, it's a cool book that we featured last year, but it's so cool and such an awesome book that let's get Mark Dalzell's take on this book. Take it away, Mark. Uh, the book I'm talking about, yeah, I brought this not without realizing that you had already talked about it. I'm sorry. But uh, it is a good book. It's called Camera Crazy by uh, Christopher Salyers and Buzz Poole, printed by uh, Prestel. And it's a, it's a nice, it's like a miniature 
coffee table book. It's another one of those sort of coffee table books that covers the toy and wacky novelty camera craze. Uh, it's beautifully done, beautiful pictures, sample pictures from a lot of them, and it covers <laughs> yeah, beer, I mean, beer can cameras. Yeah, beer can cameras. It's got cartoon character cameras. It's got the Voltron camera that, that, that we know that they have at used camera store that I want. It goes through all of the various, a lot of the, the Lomo cameras. Um, the spinner, which is one that I still haven't gotten. Why don't I have a spinner? I keep forgetting about that. But most of the Lomo cameras, unusual for a book about toy cameras, there's also a lot about toy digital cameras. So things like the Game Boy camera and uh, a lot of junky little digital cameras. The book is new enough. I see that the Bel Air is in there. Yeah, the book. Uh, when is the book actually printed? Uh, it was printed 2014. Yeah, so the book mm-hmm. is basically brand new. The Indiana Jones. You know, these are the. the t- I think on the next page is the Time camera. Yeah, you know the. Yeah, the classic plastic <laughs> Time camera, which there were so many different versions of. But yeah, it's it's an interesting book, especially if you're into toy cameras. It's definitely a gas-inducing oh, yes. <laughs> book because you you know you suddenly realize oh there's the Voltron. You know, you suddenly realize, oh, oh there's a Looney Tunes talking camera. I know, I kind of want that. Oh, there's a, one of these kind of cameras. Here's a, a, a Tamagotchi camera that uh, had little filters that you could put on the, like, imprint on your film. So it would print little characters on your film, mm-hmm. like on every, I don't know, they're terrible. And then, um, yeah, all the various soda cans. Here's one shaped like a cow. Here's one shaped like a tire. <laughs> Here's one shaped like a soccer ball. Um, so it's just fun. It's fun to go through. These are cameras that, in my travels, I've seen almost none of these, with the exception of the Lomo cameras. You know, they're, these are all pretty rare collector, you know, unusual collector cameras. But, uh, yeah, there's some really neat ones in there. Did they have a Charlie the Tuna? Right up they front. Do. Charlie the Tuna, yeah, right. <laughs> one of the first few one. pages. Right opposite the Snoopy-matic, <laughs> which is Snoopy sitting on his doghouse. <laughs> what kind of, what film type of, I know the, the Charlie the Tuna is 126. Uh, yeah, these these all are. Oh, okay. Um, uh, they sort of have them lumped together. So they'll be the 126s, they'll be the 110s, they'll be the novelties. Yeah. So they kind of lump them all together. Um, By the way, I'm still, everyone listen, anyone listening, I'm still waiting for the return of 126 film. I know. It's been 20, forever. 2016. 126. They're great plastic cameras. Ooh. And then <laughs> throughout the book, too, there's, there's... Who's that man? Is he a camera? Throughout the book, there's little interviews and a little stories. So here's a story about an interview with Lomography. Tell so me a story. About, it's upon a time. <laughs> okay. People broke their camera and liked, the, liked what it did. Who's that gent? Mr. T.M. Lee, yeah. the creator of Holga. Oh. <gasps> so there's yeah. a whole big long interview talking about why Holga, why you make Holga, what's going on. <laughs> Pictures of all the variations of different holes oh, that you right. can get, with so, with about flashes, w- the pinhole stereos, the whatever. Yeah, w- well, you can still get them. They're just yeah. substantially more expensive than they were a year or so ago. Yeah, but mm. uh, yeah, good little book. So I don't know what you said last time you had a review. We of loved it. it. But we loved it. So all right, well, cool. Good. We're glad you. Uh, Me too. Yeah. Pleasure, Leslie. Did you do the listener letter regarding developing processing times? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. I have a short one here that you gave me earlier about donations. Any reason you want it read now? Let's do it. Okay. It's very and uh, it's a listener letter? It's a listener letter. And now a listener letter as read by Leslie Lazenby. This listener letter comes from Shane Robbins. Shane says, Hi, I'm the director for the Coast Guard Air Station. Boy and Girls Club in Puerto Rico and was interested in your program that donates cameras to nonprofit organizations. Photography is a program I would like to implement into our club, and cameras would really help get it started. If someone could please contact me regarding the donation process. Thank you. So just how do people get this all camera ball rolling? Well, I'm glad you asked, Leslie. I get this letter, and I, I personally respond. I ask the same questions. And I only recently, which I sent to you, saying, oh, we need a form. Mm-hmm. And this form is not yet online. Hopefully, uh, very, very soon it will be online. Because what's happening is we receive cameras from you folks, listeners. They come in. Mark Dalzell and I go through them, fix them up, and then we wait for folks to contact us. And then we send the big batch of cameras to schools. Mm-hmm. Since sending uh, cameras out in late 2015, it's been catching on. Let's say the gentleman who is working with children of NATO tells all his military pals from around the world like oh you know contact these guys you can get these or and maybe. he tells two friends and he tells two friends and so on and so on 
And so, or maybe he's posting it on some thread somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, in, er, in early 2016, I receive all these letters: Coast Guard, Boys and Girls Club of America. I hit you up one of the schools, high school, high school in Van Buren, which is just north, a few minutes of Findlay. That that was easy and it was local. I was mm-hmm. checked. I, I took care of that right away. Mm-hmm. The, the best thing to do, of course, easiest thing to do right now is go to filmphotographyproject.com. Click, go to the donate area. And you'll see all the information there about receiving and sending cameras. But right now, it's just, I call, what happens is I, I call Mark Dalzell up. Hey, Mark. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's going pretty good. <laughs> uh, hey, man, you got any time this week? What do you got? What day? Uh, I could do Friday, I guess. Okay, come on over Friday. Yeah. My daughter can walk home from school, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Mark comes over and I have a long, like a two six-foot table set up. One yeah. one record playing on repeat for four hours. <laughs> right. And we sit there when we vet cameras. Uh-huh. And then when they're done, they go back in the box. We label the box, mm-hmm. you know, Minolta X700. Works. Yeah. Make a kit out of it, throw some lenses in it. or Yeah. We always have extra zoom lenses. So if we have an extra bag, we'll make a kit. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it'll go in a separate pile, and then the next day or so, I'll go through my inbox of stuff that needs to go out. Jeff or Justin in the office will assist, but because of the, it's, I'm glad you asked, Leslie. It's, it's a big process. It sure is because now we have to inventory what we're sending, make a list to send a packing slip. So that goes to the organization. The organization receives that packing slip, then puts their stamp. On it, mm-hmm. preparing and these plus cameras. Postage it has to cost money. Shipping a big box of cameras to L.A., Los Angeles, <laughs> costs like a hundred bucks. Sure. Yeah. Lately, I'm very happy to say thank thanks to all of you people out there who are listening. When we were talking about Van Buren, I could supply them with about half of what they needed, and then he did the email with Mike, and Mike took care of the rest. But you know, he comes in, and he goes, "I don't know what I'm going to do." He goes, our cameras are going on us. He goes, I don't know what to buy online. I don't know if they're going to work. I want to keep... Teachers don't know where to teachers buy Teachers don't know. And he's, you know, I don't want my film photography department at school to die <laughs> simply because I can't get cameras. I said, I can help you out. Right. And that was it. So, right. And they go online and they see you know, oh, and- whatever's being sold as new, like Vivitar or whatever they are, SLRs, for two or $300. And... They're plasticky. Oh, yeah. They stink. Oh, they stink. And these oh, departments yeah. don't have the budgets because the budget's going to sports. Right. Uh, absolutely. And, he, you know, he had a minimal. So even some of these places that, that need cameras may have a minimal to help even with shipping, which would be great. They usually, like you say, don't have that big budget, yeah. and it's great to keep this going. Because I'll tell you, once a kid learns how to use a 35 millimeter, and you get one or two in every class, and they've got the bug. Yeah. Which is yeah. awesome. But once you learn to use a 35 millimeter, you can use anything. That's true. Any digital. It's all the same. An F-stop, a shutter speed, the whole bit. Well, and to so, go back on that, I know I was at Camera Mall earlier this year, and the uh, a kid came in who was t- taking a photography class at the local high school, and they were all issued Canon Rebels, and the film Rebels, and his was having issues. And, of course, any any of these cameras you have no idea what the last person did do it when they used it and i said well you know you can go online and find one for about 10 or 15 dollars and just replace the body you don't have to replace the lens but while he was there he bought they had a point and shoot that he could use in the meantime and he bought that there so yeah it's hard if you're running these programs no one has a tech on on staff who can take care of some of the issues and sometimes with even with a, a an eos rebel you teach the kids how to use it manually it's the same as using a Pentax K1000 or any other camera. It's a, operation's the same. It's just you have a little LCD screen on there mm-hmm. to look at versus a, a dial. The cameras are dirt cheap, and they're fairly reliable. And you just you know pick them up as you can for something like that. Well, 2016 is certainly the year of the FPP school donation program. It is really, it is like, you know, quadrupled this year. The number of cameras going out, and as it progresses, it's getting easier—not getting easier on Mark Dalzell and I, because I'm going to have to be calling you up a lot more. It's—I love opening those boxes, though. It is exciting. You never know what you're going to see. It, it, I know. I offered two. I said, "I'll come anytime. I'll spend the weekend. Oh, no I'll way. just, That's I'll just mine. bunk right there in the studio." And if uh, <laughs> and FPP but, listeners who get it, I've gotten quite a few letters that say, "Hey guys, love what you do. Here's box cameras. Do whatever you want with it. Give them away. Aren't they shoot awesome? them. Whatever you want to do." Use it for the FPP, and and that's that's what we that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So I know there are a lot of people who have these cameras 
sitting around and yep. they feel bad throwing them away, but it's not worth, you know, they look up prices on eBay and it's like, well, I'm not going to go to the trouble for $20 and right. what am right. I going to do? So, perfect. Yeah. It's not worth spending an hour of your time to sell a camera for $10. That's right. But folks listening, if you go to filmphotographyproject.com, click on the donate tab, all the info is there as well as links to uh, past projects uh, picturing Juan TT, the African project that uh, Luis Contino headed up. Uh, there might be a link to the uh, Bluffton University, mm-hmm. uh, a few projects we've been working on, 2013, 2014, 2015. Now 2016 is here. We're, we're still at it, stronger than ever. Hey, man, that's what we do. With a smile. That's right. When we come back, Matt Marash will be here to talk about grants. And now Kodak presents a holiday reminder from Betty White. This week we'll celebrate the 4th of July, a good day to make the wonderful world of color yours with color snapshots. And you can do it so easily with your own camera, the one you have right now, and Kodakolor Film. Kodakolor Film comes in all the popular sizes. And believe me, next to the pickles, it's the most important part of the picnic. So when you're out for holiday fun, be sure to take along an extra roll or two of Kodakolor Film so you can capture all the fun and color of your happy family day. With Kodakolor Film, you can take color snapshots as easily as black and white. Just aim and snap. And you get beautiful, sparkling color prints. So no matter how you spend your day, save the fun in color. It makes a world of difference. Be ready before the 4th with Coda Color Film in the familiar yellow box. Remember, you can depend on the name Kodak. Hey, we're back. Matt Marash has uh, stopped by. Hey, Matt. Hey, how's it going, guys? Really great to see you. Hey. And he's going to be talking about... Grants. I'm not talking about the department store. <laughs> I know Grant's department store I'll be very brief Because I have a series of uh, Christmas albums That were released Every year Grant's department store Will put out a Christmas volume Of, you know, tunes on, on wax On vinyl 60s Wow Yeah, yeah We're talking oh. about Grant's <laughs> What is a Grant And what should someone shooting photography why should they want to get a grant? Take it away, well, Matt. I mean, it's not a should. It's, you know, if you're looking, uh, if you are on the... So this is continuing in the artsy-fartsy photography yes. little series. The last time we talked about just talking about your work. Uh, this is a, this is the next logical step. If you know how to talk about your work or you want uh, want to practice talking about your work, uh, writing a grant would be uh, would be a good, good way to start. But just a, a soft start to that. Um, you know, a lot of state and uh, state and local governments... There's usually some pretty decent money out there up for grabs, usually on a yearly, potentially monthly basis. Some places, not so much. It's it's uh, every two years that it's available. But there is money out there to support the arts. I highly recommend looking for it, uh, either a city, uh, city, county, or state uh, arts council. More than likely, they're getting money from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Either find out where they're getting it from or see if you can get in on the action. And usually a grant is the easiest way uh, to do so. For example, uh, if we have listeners that are in the Columbus, Ohio, specifically Franklin County area, that one little county in Ohio gets all, gets quite a bit of funding. And there's not a lot of competition for it, which is kind of crazy. Um, they have artist supply grants. They have finishing a film grants. They have traveling grants for performing artists, wow. and they also have uh, professional development grants to keep you uh, to keep you up to date on your uh, latest and greatest skills, which could cover going to um, a club meet, uh, like a group meetup anywhere in the world. It could include an artist in residency program. It could include uh, just attending a one-on-one mm-hmm. workshop. So um, there's actually a lot of money that's out there for folks that they're just leaving on the table. They're leaving for somebody else to, to get. And if you can talk about your work and can find the, the right sourcing for it and supply you know good evidence of why you need it, uh, definitely recommend applying for grants this year. I have a, um, I put in some apps for um, supply grants, some professional development stuff myself because I know there's some stuff I'd like to try and do, but it's that stuff's always kind of fluff. You know, it's always just outside of the, well, I need this new piece of gear or, oh, I need to buy a stove <laughs> this year. Or, you know, something goes bad with the car. You know, it always falls to the bottom of the list, just pushing uh, pushing stuff forward. Oh, I really, I'd really like to have a show about this. Oh, God, framing is really expensive, you know? So a mm-hmm. grant is a really good way to kind of get you up off your feet. There's also, in the state of Ohio area, there's a, a new grant that they have. Uh, there's two types. There's two types of new ones. Uh, one of them follows the, um, the Kickstarter kind of formula. Mm-hmm. So um, in Franklin County, 
the Greater Columbus Arts Council has its own thing. It's called Power to I think it's called Power to Fund. They actually um, host a Kickstarter style program. Unlike Amazon and the rest of the guys, they take a lesser cut. And it's like Indiegogo, where whatever you make is what you what you get. But since they are funded by um, like national and state grants, they and also have private donors, um, they have private donors that will do dollar matching on your Kickstarter style campaign. So for every and they, they'll tell you what it is once you have the. Mm-hmm. Um, the proposal in place for it, so they they'll match dollar for dollar, or fifty cents on the dollar, or two dollars on the dollar. So there's really good. If you're in the state of Ohio, forget about it. Like apply for grants. There's always good stuff. There's actually so many people clamoring for these types of grants. Though some of the bigger, bigger ones have a two year rotation on them. So I think 2016 is like it's all the visual and 2D style arts, and then like three dimensional arts and performing arts and stuff. That's on odd numbered years. So, but there is money out there, and it's actually quite a bit and it gets divvied out pretty darn often you're gonna have to follow you know there's a lot of red tape so you have to you know know the rules you can usually download a pdf luckily living in columbus ohio i just have a building i can go to one of the skyscrapers in town go up to the 22nd floor and there's a lady i can talk to Mm -hmm. like what the heck is this and they'll do everything but sign my name for me you know they'll help me through the process step to start to finish so there's usually a lot of support out there for these things i know overseas they're um lesser but some 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 countries have more uh more grants opportunities than others but you don't have to look just in your country uh, and this is this goes a little further than grants but artists and residencies there's huge opportunities for people worldwide um to go to potentially another country um, somewhere within their country and either study and work or put on a show uh, for free or assisted. So not everybody in the world is creative. There's other folks that just appreciate and want to appreciate art. Where does someone get started? Get started? I would recommend um, Googling the crap out of your local government. Okay. Um, (laughs) It's... In a way that doesn't get your your door knocked down, uh, yeah. but but usually like try uh, you know in the United States uh, search your county or your your uh, your local neighborhood if you're in a if you're in a metropolitan area your metropolitan area more than likely has an arts council that you should get in on or go to meetings to sometimes they need you to be a member or sometimes it's just as a matter of name and email and you have access Finley has numerous programs like that some pretty big ones exactly there was a bunch I didn't even know about until I was out of Finley so. and it's just one of those things you, it's, you're like in the inner circle and, and to be to go back to the very 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 beginning a grant is money that you do not have to pay back it is yes, not it's not a loan it's not a loan thank mm. you very much yeah That's I didn't good. really define that it's yeah. good to know it's uh, it's well. Some people will call it asterisk free money. <laughs> the artist residence programs are pretty amazing too. There's there's one up in uh, near Sleeping Bear Dunes. I'm going to try for next year, and you get a two week residency there. It goes for a whole summer. They give you an apartment to stay in, and you get then you have you know you only some of them require that you give either a show, show or, or a workshop. A lot of them require or just that. A, a presentation of some sort, which is really great because not only does it give you access to these places a place to, to hang out at they oftentimes have other facilities there like studio space and things that you can use mm-hmm. as well so it's definitely worth a shot and the best website that i've seen that culminates everything that's out there for residency programs it doesn't have every one of them but it has a majority of them it's searchable by discipline country budget anything you can think of it can you can sort it live uh res artists uh, resartis.org so r-e-s-a-r-t-i-s dot org and resartis is basically um, let's say I want to do a darkroom artist in residency in Japan 11 show up that has so there's 11 places that have a rolling residency program that furnish you with a darkroom pretty cool stuff some of them are paid residencies some of them are co-paid some of them are completely granted so there's there's stuff out there folks there are people that want to help you and see you be creative Cool. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thanks, guys. Go get a grant. Mark, get wake up. <laughs> I'm wide <wondering. laughs> Go Japan is awesome. Go get yes. a grant. We'll, we'll be right back. Meow. Hey, everybody. It's Michael Rosso here to tell you about something very exciting in the FPP online store. It's a brand new, well, it's a brand old 
Well, it's a brand new hand-rolled 35mm film. FPP hand-rolled EXP Vision 35mm film. This is 35mm Kodak motion picture film that was acquired from FPP listener Mike from Hawaii. Aloha, Mike. This film was properly stored in refrigeration and is now resting at the Film Photography Project. This is a motion picture film process ECN-2. That means that this film, like the other Vision film in the FPP online store, can only be home processed or processed by the Little Film Lab in California or the Camera Shop up in Minnesota. If you're home processing, this is a great time to try some Vision film. It's very inexpensive. It's very inexpensive, and the batch tests so far have been turning out very great. Why not give it a try? Kodak FPP hand-rolled EXP Vision 35mm film. It comes in three different flavors, 100 Daylight, 250 Daylight, and 500 Tungsten. It also comes in a box, nine rolls for $29.99. Incredible. Check it out, filmphotographystore.com. Hey, we're back. Let's see, what are we going to talk about now? Hmm. Hmm. Ah, hmm. Hmm. Well, how about, uh, we did a book this show, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, we're so behind on book. How about a book by Mr. Mark O'Brien, not written by Mark O'Brien, it's, uh, Walker Evans at Work. Okay. The Last Years of Walker Evans and Others. Oh, look, you have a big stack. I have a big... Well, if you hadn't noticed, Walker Evans is one of my photo heroes. He's reviewing his library of Walker Evans books. Well, actually, not all of it. Uh Um, But the, the funny thing is, I mean, Walker Evans photographed a lot of rural decay and urban scenes and so forth, things that also interest me. He did it with his his special view on things. And so I've always admired his, his work. And there's a couple books I just want to point out. First of all, I came across this book. It was listed It was uh, online. It was The Last Years of Walker Evans by Jerry L. Thompson. And Jerry Thompson was a graduate student that was sort of a, an assistant to, to Walker Evans in the last years of his life and with lots of interesting stories and so forth that, that uh, are an insight into Walker Evans that are really fun to read. And so I thought, oh, this is really cool. I wonder who this Jerry Thompson guy is. And I'm reading through this, and, and, and I got another book that he'd written put out um about uh about photography and i got that one and it says he lives in uh amenia new york i go amenia new york holy crap my mother-in-law lives in amenia new york and so i call her up i go charlotte you know i was reading this book this guy named jerry thompson she goes oh yeah i know jerry (laughs) and i was like flabbergasted so i i I correspond a little bit and you know i I didn't want to go this oh my gosh i'm not worthy talking to someone who was a student of of walker evans you know but it was fun and and a nice exchange of, of letters back and forth and so that's really cool and so one thing about walker evans he likes signs and he in fact he liked them so much when they went on these photo trips with the students he would encourage them to take a sign off for him to bring back oh. to his studio. So well, um, really? some of them ended up with him, um, which is which is, I thought was a rather droll and, and amusing and thing. dangerous thing. And if dangerous it was a stop thing, sign. Yeah. Well, some of these, some of these. Well, they weren't they weren't stop signs, but okay. they were signs on build, old buildings, things like mm. that. I'm the same. I I can't pass an old rusty <laughs> sign without taking a picture of it. I love old signs, old neon. Yeah, and and so. There's another book that came out called Walker Evans Signs with an essay by Andre Kodrescu, which is a very interesting, interesting little book. As Mike takes a photograph of this, and so another one. So the last years of Walker Evans is very, is very enjoyable and very interesting. And uh, I mean, he he was at Yale University the last part of his life, and he had a pretty good gig going there because you know he, Walker Evans was never really rich and. He made any money he made on his photography was actually in the last few years of his life. And then there's another book called Walker Evans' The Hungry Eye, which I think is fantastic. It's got a, a lot of his photography in here, and, and the, the, the printing is very, very well done, and it just has a whole bunch of images, starting with his earliest work all the way to his SX-70 work later on in his life. And he loved the SX-70. He was a, now, here's a, this is coming from a guy who... who 
thought color photography was almost sinful. The bane of our existence. It was, yeah. He just thought it was a horrible thing. But then when someone gave him, an, I think it was Edward Land, Edwin Land gave him an SX-70, he just thought, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. He could take him out. And is the photographer on the front cover? Yes, it is. That's young. him young, and on the back is him old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the back, he looks like Gandalf. Yes. <laughs> Let me see the front again. It's true. Your nose does grow as you get old. <gasps> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the the extra bourbons help, um, and so those those that book is the Hunt, Walker Evans Hungry Eye is a fairly recent book, and it's it's definitely worth looking at to give you a good overview of, of his work. But the other one is a lot of people. This book has gotten a lot of attention because it was part of a show at the Museum of Modern Art. What show? Walker Evans American Photographs. There was a uh, some photographers talking recently on, uh, in another on a video blog, um, art of photography, and the guy was saying. How when he wants to get inspired, he looks at this book, Walker Evans American Photographs. So it is a basically a catalog of a show. He photographed at an interesting time in the, in, the, in the United States, especially during the Depression and during the pre-war years. Photographed extensively in the South and other areas, like a lot of other FSA photographers, showing the downtrodden, the poor. Um, people who didn't have a lot of wealth. On the other hand, the FSA photographers were encouraged to show, sort of propagandize how the New Deal was affecting people. Well, the New Deal didn't affect a lot of people in the South very much, especially if they were poor and black or sharecroppers. And and so the FSA was employed a lot of people. A lot of a lot of photographers got their start getting working for the government. They chronicled a lot of the th- the effects of not just um, inequality in this country but um some of the not only we're just chronicling that but some of the photography is absolutely stunning would that be the usda federal service no that's farm service agency oh yeah see there's a is that it yeah okay yeah and so those those books by walker evans are i mean he's a very accessible photographer there's lots of different books written about him and and about his work but um again he's one of my photographic heroes i should say i would look them up so the last years of walker evans by jerry l thompson signs walker evans with an essay by andrei kodrescu walker evans the hungry eye and walker evans american photographs by the museum of modern art those are four uh deserved books thank you very much mark you're welcome take a quick break Hey, everybody. You know, back in 2010, yes, way back back in 2010, 2010. I started chatting about like, hey, why doesn't FPP, why don't we make our own 620 spools? Because at the time, back in 2010, it was so difficult to find a 620 spool. And of course, 620 film is nothing more than 120 film. It's the same film. The only difference is the 120 spool and the 620 spool are different. 620 spools are much thinner and they fit into the old Kodak brownies, some of the Ansco cameras, and just some of the 1950s, 1960s cameras that quote-unquote took 620 film. There's no reason not to shoot with these cameras. You can get authentic, newly produced, mold-injected 620 spools right in the FPP store, filmphotographystore.com. So you can now roll any of your favorite 120 films right onto a 620 spool. Or if you don't want to roll, you could just buy 620 film right in our store world's largest selection of 620 films and it's growing every day get out those kodak brownies you will be amazed at the amazing images that can be made on those old kodak brownies get out your 620 film thank you much hey the dark room is a lab on the West Coast. And these days, because, you know, we're all shooting film, but, you know, the big question is, where do I bring my film to get processed? The Darkroom is an option, and they've really stepped up to develop all films. 110 film, 126 film, 35 millimeter film, 620 film, 120 film, 4x5 film, 8x10 film. Wow. One-stop shopping. Black and white, color print C41, color slide E6. E6. Uh, 122, 2035, 4x5, 8x10. The Darkroom. It's com. They also do testing of awesome films like Lomo, X-Pro, Red Scale, True Black and White, Crossbird, Redbird, oh, Nightbird, oh, hey. uh, Infrared Films. All of us here at the FPP highly recommend you go there. They'll take good care of you. The Darkroom. Dot com. Tell them the FPP sent you. Yeah.
Hey, we're back. Darren, Ballard, Riley, anyone listening to the show knows Darren because at the end of uh, our shows, we, we play his music often. Oh, uh, yeah. Such, such songs as No Pockets. There's a gent lives on our street. He got no pockets. Favorite. Jennifer's Dead. Jennifer's the girl you used to see around the place, but now she's gone. Fish and Chips. <laughs> Fish and Chips. Uh, what is about that songs? Uh, well, he wrote a big, long letter. I'm going to read the end of it. It's been a slow photography year because uh, Darren is now drawing. Mm-hmm. He says, despite my slow photography year, I still listen to the show, though I often have to binge on it. It's still brilliant. Becky and I have very fond memories of visiting you all on our honeymoon, and as soon as we can get the time and money together... We're going to come over and do it all over again, whether you like it or not. Till then, take care. Darren, Pancho, Ballard, Pops, Draws, Riley. So uh, if he comes over, can he stay at your your house, Mark Delzo? Yeah, definitely. Yeah? Yeah. I think he should come over in, in August, September for your uh, uh, Crab Fest. Sure. Are you having one in 2016? Oh, yeah, every year. I think he'd get a kick out of that. I think he'd love Good it. Good old American crab lobster boil. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy to uh, turn over the microphone to Leslie Lazenby, who's going to be talking about the Minolta SR7, the world's first 35mm SLR with a built-in exposure meter. That is pretty cool. That was monumental. What, the way I delivered that? No. Oh. (laughs) Well, yes, that too. But the fact that this has a built-in meter, we we take all this for granted now. Predates the 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 101 and the 102? Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Predates it. This was introduced in 1962, and it is the first built-in battery-operated exposure meter. It's a CDS meter. This this must have just been exciting. With this camera... And it looks surprisingly modern. Like, it doesn't look crazy. It doesn't. Like and, but you know what the normal lens was did. with this? The 5814. A 1.4 lens was the standard lens that went out. And that is a beautiful, beautiful... Those Rokar lenses, it's a beautiful piece of glass. I think I got four of those. I love them. The, one, <laughs> like, some of them actually had the, the little um, depth of field preview lever on it. Have you seen the those? The oh, lens, lens oh, no, did. I, I have one of those, but it doesn't. It's pretty sticky, so I just went and, like you, got another one off the shelf. Yeah, for but thirty um, bucks, get another one on eBay. Exactly. The meter's located on the top of the camera. It's a it's a dual range style. Mm-hmm. Regular light, low light. Push it in. Away we go. Uh, it had different. This meter had different locations. It is not a through the lens. Here's your eye on the front of the camera, hmm. but it is. Coupled, of course, to your shutter speed. So if you change it, it will give you the proper readout. It's up to you to set it, but it'll tell you where to set it. At first, they had the battery that you put in, but no on-off switch. Because they all assumed that we were going to put these back in the case. And then there was not going to be a drain on that battery. So after the first year of production, they put on what they used for many, many, many years on the bottom of the Minolta cameras, the on-off little thumb turning switch, the little thumb screw on the bottom. And that was the the first change for this. They had, I think, maybe there was quite a few. There were a lot of versions. Actually, in 1965, they went to a Series V. They squared the camera off a little bit. And when they made that squared-off body, it's what they then used for the SRT-101. So this is quite a durable. I still have this one is... 60 probably 1963 i've got the on off switch i'm not squared off and i've got the round eyepiece in the back so it's just a monster durable camera see everybody was like me they didn't put the damn lens cap on they didn't put it in the case so they really had to put that meter on the bottom they added things like the self timer to it they changed their mirror lockup system so that you didn't waste a frame the camera itself very much looks like that S whole SRT SR one oh one series. It really does. It's just very early. They never had an attached cold or hot shoe. No kidding. It was an accessory that either the eyepiece threaded off on the back and you put it on and to hold it on, or later on they went to the rectangular eyepiece and they had that one that just slipped down over it. There's a PC Adapter, you can put a PC flash on that. I bl- is there, is there I, isn't there X and M? Is there a PC port? Yes, yes. yeah, SP and X. Yeah. So, okay, you, so you'd use a bracket, use a bracket. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, and back in 1963, 
Use a bracket. Use a bracket. It was common. You went to the drawer and you picked one out. I understand no. Dr. No used this camera. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Well, it, it's, you know, the camera, 63, 64. Yeah. How old is that? Uh, that is 52 years old. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, I don't know the history of this camera. I put a battery in it. I'll tell you, 63, 64 was a time, an explosion. I think the 58, 59 is, but that's when the they made a lot of modern changes. Yes, they did. Right Cannon in that did. time. Yes, exactly. They went out of that old school into new school. But that camera was pretty darn clean. So I took it out for a little spin, put some, my favorite, Shemina 200 in it. Oh, yes. Away we went. Started comparing the exposure values with the Sunny 16 rules. They were right on the money. So after a while, I quit even thinking about it. I set it according to the meter, processed my film, and it confirmed my suspicions. That camera is well made. Film in this? No, there is not. Well made, still on the money, fired away, and that I just love that one four lens, that big piece of glass on there. And that's a fifty eight millimeter. That's a fifty eight. Click. It, it is. It's just. It's very well made, and I think an important camera historically having that first built in light meter. So that's the S R seven, pretty slick camera rolled into the S R Ts, and then mm-hmm. of course eventually into the X Gs. Yeah. yeah, that type of thing. So. Neat camera. Thank you, Prob- Probably any way you pick up today, I bet you'll find they still do work. Yes. Mm-hmm, perfectly. I don't have one. Don't you? Oh. <laughs> Very few multibodies I don't have. I don't have one of those. All right. Thank, Thank you, Thanks. Leslie. Thanks. You're welcome. Folks out there may be asking, Hey, Mike, what is the film of the week? What film is on special this week? What film is on special this week? Well, with the sun ablazing, I thought it'd be nice to uh, showcase a film, a cult film, that isn't that popular in the FPP store And that yet. is? That is Shmina MZ3. Oh, I shot, it. I've shot, shot it. it. This is, you, you know, you've heard of cult cameras. Now we have the Shmina MZ3. It's imported fresh from Eastern Europe, hand-rolled by us at the Film Photography Project. This is a 35-millimeter black-and-white film. The film itself is white. Yeah. It's cool looking. It's, it's wacky. Yeah. You've got my interest here. I want to see this. Film. It's 24 yeah. exposures. It's ISO 3. <laughs> <laughs> and Leslie, if you have a camera that doesn't dial down to ISO 3, what to do? What to do? Well, start off with your lowest 25, let's say. 25. Okay. So 25 and add one stop makes 12. Makes 12, yep. ASA 12. Divide that in half again. ASA 6. Uh, yep. Two stops. Two stops. ASA 3. One more stop. One more stop. Open up three stops. So there you go. You put it on 12, take your reading, and open up either three F stops or shutter, or speeds. shutter speeds or a combination. And there you go. Now, Leslie, you shot this film and you processed yourself in Kodak HC110. Did you look that up? It's right here. Dilution H. Okay. Nine minutes, 15 seconds, mm-hmm. 68 degrees. Uh, you shot this film in the Olympus OM-1N. Classic. A Tamron 24 millimeter. I'm using it today. It says exp- you exposed it. It says exposure metered with a Minolta 4. That's a meter? That's a handheld meter, yes. Great. And you shot uh, a barn-looking place. No, I should say a, a, like a shop, shoppy-looking place. This shop Can I, oh, yes. That is an old schoolhouse converted into like a convenience store. It uh, uh, used to be called North Finley. Now it's called... Mortimer. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, folks who'd like to try out this MZ3, uh, please uh, head over to filmphotographyproject.com, go in the store, 35 millimeter film, scroll down, you'll see it. And what you'll see is a remarkable price uh, for the next two weeks only. It's a great time to try a new film, a film you haven't tried before. It's a culty film, it's an unusual film, and a fun film, especially to shoot in summer. So, yes. Uh, we'll be right back, right after this. Nice. Hey, FPP listeners. Some really, really great news. The FPP online store, filmphotographystore.com. We now stock darkroom supplies. So if you're already in the darkroom or if you've been thinking about it, now's the time to go to the FPP site. We are now stocking tanks and reels, 
Kodak D76 black and white developer, Kodak Fixer, and the Home C41 Unicolor Kit. That's right, you can do your very own color negative development right in your home. It's so easy. Folks that have been listening and kind of following along as all of us here at the FPP have started doing our own color, everyone has been so pleasantly surprised of how easy it really is. So jump on over to the filmphotographyproject.com, click the store tab, and check out our darkroom supplies as well as all of our hand-rolled 35mm film, Kodak Laris film, Fujifilm, 110 film, and of course our huge selection of 620 film. Awesome! Thanks very much. Let's get back to some show. Uh, here's a letter from... Who is it from? I don't know who it's from. It says Leo Guy. It's from me. <laughs> it's called this letter is called my underexposed 250 trick i recently got a polaroid land 250 camera from ebay and was super excited to go out and take some amazing pictures in broad daylight well to my surprise all the daylight pictures were coming out very dark and underexposed i tried everything and nothing seemed to work one of the tricks i saw in a video of yours was to tape up a little filter to trick the light sensor into tricking it darker to properly expose it well, I tried it and still didn't work. Mm-hmm. Then I thought about a dry erase marker. Usually the ink is see-through on a dry erase black pen. So I went to my local store and I got me a pen. And holy shit. <laughs> so you won't believe it, but it worked. I was ready to give up on my camera and buy a new one. But the dry erase pen tricked the sensor into thinking a lot darker and exposed the film it the way it should. Even the dark to light dials work the way they should. Uh, I just wanted to share my little trick so that people with the same problem could go out and give their camera a try. I will include some of the underexposed pictures in the email to show you the difference between the shots he did. And there was a huge difference. I'm a huge fan of your YouTube videos. Keep up the good work. Leo guy, nineteen seventy. But yep. you know what's typically the problem when this happens? Battery. Well, what? yes, number one, but number two. What? They're not holding that shutter button all the way down. Yeah, you're right. Yes. So the fact Wait that this is click. the the satisfying right. second click, the yeah. fact that this is working for him may not eventually because he may have put the a sensor. It may be going out. Yeah. yeah. But right now it's working, and he's a happy camper, and that's great. Now, but a lot of times on that, it's battery. Right. And uh, the fact that... Um, but he didn't talk right? about cleaning the battery context. I wonder if you're moving that camera around and jostling and doing all the stuff with all of a sudden... Contact moved. Contact moved and it started but then working. That w- I would have thought it would have thrown it way off if his sensor was good. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> it's a good mystery. I mean, it, but, it, it, there's a lot of variables there. Yeah. But what he's doing works for his, but there yeah. are some other things that are more common. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, make, wait but, for that second click. Mm-hmm. But if he was outside Test shooting it. in daylight, Test mm-hmm. it, first. it should have been, you know, it's going to shoot whatever the, that minimum shutter speed is going to be. What is, what's the default when, it's, when the battery's not working? Oh, it doesn't oh, open, no, no, does no, it? No, 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 nothing. It nothing doesn't, doesn't open. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, no good. No good. No sunny 16 on this. Okay. Uh-uh. <laughs> well, folks, I think we're going to wrap it up for this particular show. We're going to leave with a letter from Peter Nelson, who is giving us some links to you may say, well, you know, I love seeing old cameras in TV shows and movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter says, I really enjoy your podcast. I'm glad to listen to other people nerd out over a film <laughs> as much as I do with a few friends. Regarding film cameras and film TV that you mentioned in your most recent podcast, a few movies, TV shows came to mind. Columbo episode, Short Fuse. Oh, oh one more thing before I forget. Columbo episode, Negative reaction with Dick Van Dyke. Well, I guess that clears that up then. Okay, Doc. Uh, thank you very much. And I'm sorry I bothered you. The score. This is a Robert De Niro film. He says De Niro hanging out with an F5. Mm. The film Heat. It's a Michael Mann film. De Niro again. This time a few years prior with an F4. <laughs> <laughs> Julianne Moore with a Nikon F5 in Jurassic Park: uh-huh. Lost World. Unfortunately, I can't think of any f- films with my favorite SLR, the Canon EOS One. He says, oh, well, keep up the good work. Uh, Peter, that's PeterJNelsonPhoto.com or 
tumblr.com forward slash Peter J. Nelson photo. Thank you, Peter. And I want to thank everyone for listening. You could, of course, write to us, any of us, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. We're going to be happy to see you in two weeks. Looking. There's a gent lives on our street. He got no pockets. And I wonder how he carries stuff. I drop it. He got nowhere to keep his keys and change. It would surely drive me crazy. So deranged. You can often see him in the morning walking. And I think I've heard him singing. Maybe talking. His dead man's arms and be by his side I guess he got no place to put him in his stripes He got no pockets 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 That man has got no pockets His mother sticks them up when he was seven The surest way to get the boy to heaven Cause young boy's hands will wonder where they will But if you got no pockets, you can't get no thrills You got no pockets You got no pockets You got no pockets You got no pockets He got no pockets. He got no pockets. He got no pockets. That man has got no pockets. No, hang on. Jennifer's the girl you used to see around the place, but now she's gone. Yes, she's gone. To that great gig in the sky She never had the chance to say goodbye Oh Jennifer, why did you have to die? Every Monday morning she would cross the busy road to get her coffee She liked it strong Always waited for the light But one day she just didn't see that bike Oh Jennifer, it gave you such a Jennifer, I wonder if you're listening to this song Never had the chance to say I loved you all along I watched you every single morning You saw the bike, you didn't hear my warning Jennifer, Jennifer's a girl you used to see around the place But now she's gone Yes, she's gone To the great gig in the sky I'd love to see you when it's time to die I sold the bike I must apologize Fish and chips I lick the grease from off your fingertips Salt and vinegar And maybe in the barn if you'd prefer I wanna eat my dinner at the morning paper Finish all my grub and read the headlines